0: Coming out of the Memorial Day weekend with a whole bunch of things to get into. The NBA Finals are set. Heat culture made the Boston Celtics evaporate in Game 7. The NCAA Baseball Championship brackets have been set, but nobody's happy. Why it goes beyond the usual gripes about a bracket thanks to RPI. Plus, Luke DeCock, News & Observer columnist, on what the Carolina Hurricanes need to do this offseason. OG. 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 OG.
1: It's time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillio. But it was something new. I mean, doing something old, but we're bringing it back, so it's basically new. Here we go.
0: Let's podcast alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovius. Capacito time, Joe. Got that heat culture. Let's go, 305, baby. Dale. Casual heat <laughs> fan is on one right now, man. Casual heat fan is absolutely loving the moment as they uh, avoided history. It knocked off the Boston Celtics after they had a three games to none lead. Uh, I did not like the way that this was positioned as though the Celtics were some plucky team going up against the big bad machine that was the Yankees. TNT had interviewed, um, they, they had interviewed Pedro Martinez uh, in the pregame to kind of like tie these things together. Y'all, it wasn't the same thing. This is a Celtics team with some dudes, the number two seed that lost a series and was down three zero. To a team that almost didn't even get out of the playing game, Joe. These are not the same things, and yet Boston want, continuously wants to be positioned as though there's some plucky upstart that never gets any sort of breaks. Nah, y'all, you've been winning championships. You got got by the Heat again. The, the, the Heat against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the playoffs are eleven and nine against this group. It's pretty impressive, man.
1: Yeah, only Boston can pull the Jedi mind trick. That they're one of the best teams in the NBA and somehow an underdog to the number eight seed and a team with, what, five guys who regularly contribute who weren't drafted. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yes, there's a lot of cockamamie. You know, it's funny. I was actually thinking about it yesterday because, remember, I was longing for the overarching picture for hockey. Right. I I feel like hockey coverage is so granular that I was like, man, just just give me a little bit of a storyline here, please. And then I'm watching ESPN's run up to the to the game last night. Like, is this the greatest comeback in sports history? And and people are like, well, you know, LeBron coming back from three one against a team that won 73 (laughs) games is really still really impressive. Much to, you know, Brian Windhorst and, and the rest of the crew's credit. They did say that. But I was like, w- w- wait, wait a second. They haven't completed the the, the task yet. No. <laughs> um, and I get it. You know, you got this, you got the Red Sox story. You got Tommy Brady coming down from coming back from 28 three. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were all ready to crown themselves the comeback city. I'm sure they still will, no matter what. Uh, and you know where, how much I hate Boston and their fans. But yeah. the truth of the matter is. I just don't think there's that much of a difference between all of these teams. And I said it at the beginning of the tournament in in the NBA. I felt like there were 15 teams that could win the thing. Whoever was playing Denver in the first round, I I thought had no shot. Um, Mm -hmm. And and Milwaukee, obviously, at full health was really good this year. But you look at it and you look back at it now. Think about it. Miami lost their first playing game to Chicago Mm -hmm. and DeMar DeRozan. I just think we have this idea that we're still stuck in the NBA in 1998, and Michael Jordan is here, and he's playing against Jeff Hornacek, who's here. Like the difference between Jason Tatum and Caleb Martin, it, it's it's like here on a regular basis. Whoa,
2: whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, seriously? Whoa, 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 seriously? Come on, hold on a second. I mean, there there is clearly a difference between Caleb Martin, uh, who was an undrafted free agent spent some time in the G League both with the Hornets and the Heat and had to develop to get to this point. I mean, come on. I mean, th- there's a consistency factor that comes out of uh, a Jason Tatum since he's gotten to the league versus the journey of Caleb Martin. You can appreciate sure. what Caleb Martin's been able to but, do, and we can get into that a little bit later, but, I, I mean, come on. There's got to be a there's but, a little bit more than just a skosh
1: of difference, right? I, no, but I, what, what I'm also getting at this, and, and somebody had, had stumped for Theo Pinson, too, recently, okay. and they were saying how – you guys don't understand how good you have to be to be in the NBA. Like, okay, now,
0: there to that point, yes.
1: players in the NBA. So, yes. to and to my here, let me try to illustrate this a little bit better. In my mm. opinion, Giannis is obviously called the Greek freak for a reason. There is a talent gap with Giannis and even whoever you think are the next two and three best players in the league, in my opinion. Mm. Okay, just as there was with LeBron James. But it isn't this wide disparity that that ESPN was trying to make it out last night because, oh, well, they have Max Struess and they have Gabe Vincent and they have a bunch of guys that you've never heard of. And it's like, cool. They have one guy in Jimmy Butler who is a straight up dude, right? Yeah. And, and in my opinion, in this day and age, if you got one of those, you got something working for you. And mm-hmm. they have a post and bam out of bio who, in my opinion, one of the 50 best players in the NBA, certainly one of the 12 best posts. Yeah. One of the 12 best bigs in the NBA. So it's not uh, like, offensively, this, this he was a mess last night. He was, but this is this is an FDU, Joe, uh, hoping right. to make a bunch of threes to beat you. These are this is a talented team with a coach who knows what he's doing. And I, I kind of laugh because you and I have, have been giving Eric Spolstra his flowers. And sure, there was some strategy to last night, but a lot of last night was belief. Mm-hmm. And Boston got high on their own supply after winning three games, and they were not prepared to play basketball last night. Uh, no, Lavelle Moten well, is a whole nother episode as to how Lavelle Moten is a Boston Celtics fan. I, we're gonna have to get <laughs> Bomani Jones to explain that one to me. Uh, I'm not quite prepared to, to do all of the mental gymnastics to connect all of those dots. Shouts mm-hmm. to Lavelle. Um, he was tweeting to like going under screens, we're switching with the wrong guy, we being Boston. We're like basically doing all of the wrong things, taking bad shots. And it's like, yeah, you know who does that? Teams who thought they've already won the series because they won three straight games. So it it was a fascinating uh, illustration to my belief that the difference between these teams is just not that great. To your point about the Celtics played that game as
0: though they had already won the series, it's easy to do when they won the game the way that they did in game six, right? You know, the, the I, I think it also kind of comes down to the, the way the you Celtics have been of emotionally emotional, the emotional I think emotionally, I think emotionally, they, okay. I think emotionally they I think emotionally they thought they won it. You know, like like you know how we we had this miracle at the end. They said that we need one stop. They did two actually didn't get it. We walk out of there we're going back home. Let's make this thing happen. Like they probably felt that the Heat couldn't overcome that emotional letdown of having blown a three game Series lead and Jimmy Butler had it, at least it looked like they had adjusted to make life a little bit more difficult for Jimmy Butler in those two games. Although I throw game four out of it because Butler had 29 points in game four, but the Celtics won that game in a classic. We accused you of quitting, you have a bounce back game. This is going to be a gentleman's sweep. And they shot lights out, they were 18 of 45 from three, Miami was only eight of 32 and Miami turned the ball over a bunch of times, and then in game five, they made those defensive adjustments and made life miserable for Jimmy Butler, and only had 14 points, and then in game six, he had his worst shooting night of the entire playoff run, and they were looking like they were a little bit gassed, and I know that Jimmy Butler had a little bit of an ankle issue as well, and in the final, what, two minutes, he scores 10 points, and I thought they were going to wrap that thing up there, so maybe the Celtics thought we had kind of we weathered this surge from Jimmy Butler and still found a way to win. Now we're going back. They got to be emotionally spent. You mentioned Bomani Jones. Bomani tweeted in the first five minutes of that game. The Miami Heat looked a little bit gassed, um, but again, the Heat have a have a way about them from Eric Spolstra, from the "We're not going to quit. We're not. We're going to hunker down" kind of attitude, and they ended up making life miserable for the Celtics instead. Uh, they settled for jumpers. I mean, the Heat. The Heat did a good job defensively, but you can't sit here and tell me that at a high-level NBA playoff game with the right to go to the NBA Finals, you're having trouble with the zone, which is what the Boston Celtics found themselves doing. And that, to me, just is comical. Like, I expect to see that stuff in college, but, like, judicious use of the zone against the Celtics was something that was comical, and the Celtics continued to give the Heat exactly what they wanted by jacking
1: up shots. And then when you throw in the turnover straight Brown, who couldn't dribble the ball, it was a recipe for a fourth-quarter disaster the way it played out. Which one of my cockamamie theories that are actually correct would you like me to go? Okay. To? Which one would you like Which... me to dial? On? <laughs> What's door number one? The wheel and let's pick. no
0: no no. Let's go let's go behind door number one. What do we have in door number one?
1: I'll let you spin the wheel and pick because you've heard me say a million times, die with your fastball, right? Yeah yeah yeah. Particularly in basketball, I want J- Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown taking every shot. Yet, who was there? Derek White was the one who was actually showed up last night and tried to drag yes. the Celtics into that game. When, I, when you get to this point in the NBA particularly, and maybe we see it a little bit in hockey too, given that it's not Connor McDavid, it's not Austin Matthews winning these games in hockey, right? So you could probably mm. apply it to a lot of different sports, maybe not the NFL because of the quarterback position. But in the NBA, when you get to this point, it's it's pretty much a given, right? That Jimmy Butler is going to score thirty. Yeah, right. Their best player is going to score thirty. Cool. It's Caleb is going to score twenty six under normal circumstances. That it's a given that Caleb Love is going to shoot lights out. Martin, now you are getting. I am Caleb true. Martin. I get right. my Caleb's no. messed up now. So it's pretty much a given that your stars are going to be equal for the best part. Yeah. They're going to neutralize each other. So now it becomes the other guys. And to your point about how the Celtics adjusted to. Jimmy Butler, yeah, the direct result of that is leaving somebody like Caleb Martin open because Mm -hmm. you're overplaying Butler, and rightfully so. He has been their best player. So it becomes, who of your other players can make shots? And, you know, you and I talked about this during the bubble in how those ancillary players usually struggle on the road in the playoffs. And at home, they play well. The other players are the ones who look good at home. They're usually younger. And then they get on the road and they struggle. So the bubble was fascinating to see how different players like a Caleb Martin would look right. Yeah. So for him to have the game that he did last night, I'm not saying it wasn't an out of body experience. I'm just saying he's a talented player who's worked hard and the league has changed to the point where he has come along at the right time. He's a perfect size for a three and D he shoots the three enough, shoots it well enough to be a three and D there wasn't a spot for him in the, in the eighties and nineties NBA. But there is in the current NBA, and and congratulations to him. Congratulations to his mom, who I met. Oh my gosh, all these years ago, Jenny Bennett. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember always struck by how young she was when she had him, but also she worked. She worked to to support them and take care of them when they were growing up. And it, it's such a cool story to see them have this. Not obviously before tonight, their their longevity in the NBA, but for him to be the star of that game in the way that he was, and for yeah. the whole country to now know who who exactly he is, is is really cool.
0: Now, going down to uh, Hialeah, I'm sure my dad busted out the pots and pans last night watching the heat. He sent me a couple of, uh, he sent me and my brother some selfies in his Miami heat gear. But I think this is on 49th down in Hialeah, right across from the Pollo Tropical, which I think there was a follow-up video to this where somebody was shooting off fireworks over the Pollo Tropical. It doesn't get any more Hialeah than that, Joe. It really does not. Uh, But I, I, I put this on the screen if you're watching on YouTube because this is kind of where we're at right now with the nba finals and the nhl stanley cup final you got these two eighth seed miami squads if you thought boston fans can be annoying with their plucky attitude well south florida is about to take their street and they're going to be absolutely obnoxious about this going forward there's nothing more obnoxious than heat culture people coming through on your social media timeline and telling you that there's no, other, there's no other franchise in the NBA that does it like we do. The heat culture is all these types of things. And then meanwhile, you got the Florida Panthers uh, headed off to the Stanley Cup final after beating the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, I'll say this, um, and I'll close my thoughts on, on, on what these two things ultimately illustrate. It's a central point that I've been saying since the Canes were in the playoffs. Sports are stupid. Sports are stupid sometimes. And there's no way to predict the way that this Miami Heat team got to the finals. There was no way to predict that the Florida Panthers, who struggled to get into the playoff field to begin with and did not have Bobrovsky in net when they started this entire thing, finds themselves with the hottest goalie in the playoffs and a chance to win the whole thing. So we can make all the plans in the world and you can have the best players and everything else. And sometimes... Things just get wonky, and ultimately, that's why we keep watching at the end of the day. So I hope you all are ready, because Miami fans are about to be obnoxious in the next couple of weeks. Imagine if they win both, right? Because I think, what was it? Uh, it was the, this I guess, the metro area argument. I think it was the San Jose Sharks and the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago. They were able to get it done in the same season.
1: No, oh, the
0: Sharks never... Well, I think the sharks
1: got to the finals did they yeah. not? Was it like uh, it was like a before we housekeep like though. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Before we housekeep. Isn't it amazing that there are certain turns of phrases that just sound better in Spanish or a different language than English? Yeah. You yeah. said pollo tropical, right? Pollo tropical. Yes. Tropical yeah. chicken. If I said the tropical chicken like hey. we were in Bayonne, you'd be like hey. why, are, why why what is tropical about chicken? <laughs> But I you feel say like, Pollo, you're like, oh, well, that sounds I feel pretty like, cool,
0: actually. I feel like the tropical chicken sounds like a competitor to the Bada Bing in uh, Sopranos. Like that was something like that Tony, Sopr- Tony Soprano had to take care of some business against the guys who were running the tropical chicken. It was like a drug front. But Pollo <laughs> Tropical is basically like the South Florida Chick-fil-A. And that's all it is. That's all Pollo Tropical is. I mean, you just want some like, you know, basic home-cooked meals. That's what they have. Yeah, so housekeeping. We're going to be out at uh, Raleigh Country Club tomorrow. It's going to be an interesting experiment in mobile broadcasting technology, Joe. I'm looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, uh, UNC Health Championship, the Corn Ferry Tour, coming to the Donald Ross course in downtown Raleigh. I can't wait to see. I, I saw some lines, uh, some some futures on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour oh, uh, recently, Joe. Well, we then. might have ourselves a rooting interest in this UNC Health Championship. Uh, we will be out there tomorrow that is actually the pro-am tomorrow and then the tournament starts thursday there's a canes night if you're a season uh, canes season ticket holder you're out there on friday empire eats is out there doing all of the catering so get out there and get all the good stuff out at uh, Raleigh country club
0: uh, if you're subscribed on our youtube channel highly recommend that you do shout out to everybody who has already subscribed to the youtube channel uh, we do more than just you know put the show and clips from the show. We we've got some other stuff. There's a, there's playlists, including one called uh, OG Overtime, and in that OG Overtime, you can see Jilio get disappointed by the fact that he opened up a pack, a two hundred dollar pack of cards with autographs in it, and it did not have the Victor Wimbenyama card he's been after. Uh, but that Oak City Sports Cards a little video where I even talk about garbage Pail kids is available on our YouTube channel right now. But you, have you have you gone back to try to open up another pack, Joe? You got another $200 lying around I'm not aware of? Because remember, you're well, in charge. Well,
1: it's of funny. I, yeah, it's funny. I saw on YouTube yesterday, I was trying to go through, and, you know, you, you, you've seo and hashtags and this and that and i'm like (laughs) there's a lot of people looking for this victor woman Yama card then i started thinking wait a second there's only a hundred of them and and then i thought about what weston had told us it's probably not in this pack probably not no probably Uh, not in this one but i'll be honest with you my disappointment wasn't that i didn't get uh the french mamba my disappointment was i wanted like somebody that i liked to be one of the autos and brennan armstrong is in that set yeah uh, nc state's quarterback there's a bunch of really good college players in that set that caleb williams that i would have been like oh okay cool uh but Mm -hmm. instead sometimes you get a lottery ticket that hits a winner and sometimes you got to go back and and get some more but you can buy so get your cards graded more importantly at oak city cards it's oakcitycards.com also, shout out to Breeze Through. Uh, they sponsor
0: this YouTube podcast experience. Uh, the Nine One Nine Vice Podcast went to Breeze Through, the one across from PNC Arena, there on Edwards Mill Road and Trinity. That one, we we got our gas station beers, Joe, and they've got a growler machine. Growler machine. Uh, it's a plastic growler. It's not a bottle one, so you, you don't have to worry about breaking it. And the growler machine is pretty tight as well. Uh, they were the last guests on the Nine One Nine vice podcast we got into the whole concept of the of the beer cave like how did those come about like who was the brilliant mind who came up with the beer cave because you and i both know the gas station beers and those refrigerators hit different there are much colder fridges than what we do and it just hits a little bit different when you crack that bad boy open joe
1: yeah it's so cold locally owned neighborhood store 1200 edwards mill road breeze through markets go check them out for all of your drinks not just the adult ones get yourself a gatorade get yourself some ice <laughs> on your way to the beach. Also get yourself some really good dark roast coffee.
0: Move on. It seems as though the SEC will not move on from an eight game conference schedule, Joe. So we, we had, we're a couple of weeks removed from the ACC conference spring meetings. Oh, don't you in, disappoint in, me right now, sir. Do in not in disappoint Island, me right now. The SEC meetings are in Destin, Florida. They start up today, and Greg Sankey has already done some media availability to the commissioner. And the big topic of conversation, beyond what to do with field stormings and field goal posts coming down, is eight or nine games as they get ready to go to a 16-team conference model. A lot of coaches, a lot of ADs want to stay at eight, but there's a television aspect to this, Joe, that people keep hammering the table on, and there's this weird game of chicken taking place between the SEC and ESPN because it's not in the contract. My understanding is, based on Ross Dellinger's reporting and Andy Staples' reporting, it's not in the contract that ESPN has to give the SEC more money if they go to a nine-game conference slate. So there's some, there are some ADs that would prefer easy home buys, uh, a scheduled win so they can get to their bowl eligibility quicker. So this is what's going to take place Across the SEC meetings this week. It's an interesting debate to say the least.
1: Yeah, Greg Sankey is saying, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, who added Texas and Oklahoma um, to get more inventory and bigger names in his conference to prepare for the 12 team format, let's not forget, mm-hmm. Re- and negotiated a deal with ESPN, solely ESPN, no longer with CBS, that is going to make them uh, a-, a significant amount more money than they were making before, and they already were making a lot of money, remember? Yeah, they were making a ton of money. Greg Sankey is saying, Greg Sankey is saying, oh, I'm leaving this up to the, it, it, Greg Sankey has big parent energy right now. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, going to yeah. let you decide what's the right thing to do. <laughs> I'm not saying that you can't have your way. I'm just saying I'm going to let you, you get together in a room, and you come up with the best solution for this. I'm just saying, you know, during the pandemic, you know, like when we actually needed the money and everything Mm -hmm. and tried to keep our lights Mm -hmm. on and we only played SEC games. Remember how cool that was? Remember how happy our television partners were that we weren't playing East Bemidji State? Remember how happy that we didn't have to see Alabama versus the Citadel? They were ecstatic. So guess what? We're getting all this money from this entity. Guess what we're going to do? dance monkey dance little monkey that's what you need to do right now get those little symbols out and start dancing this is this makes you no different than the big 10 this makes you no different than the acc yeah. uh I, I just loved his his quotes about well you know our our, our fans they really enjoyed the pandemic How weird. To the games they couldn't go to greg where where yeah. we weren't playing these games that that weren't of the quality of our conference opponents and it was like Yeah, and my favorite part was we ran, what did he say, advanced analytics? I think he said we ran advanced analytics that showed that your your bowl eligibility numbers, they would not be affected significantly. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, how is he going to sell this to a group that doesn't want to do it other than to say that's what the money's for?
0: Exactly. That's exactly it. But that's not what the money is for, Joe. This is from Brett McMurphy. Uh, He put this quote out there from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Money follows, it doesn't lead. When all you do is chase money, you make a lot of bad decisions. Now, this is when I just found out that Greg Sankey's got some sort of beef with Maryland. Because why is Maryland gonna take a stray like this, guys? Like, man, what did they ever do to you? Because that exactly is a bad decision when you go chase the money. But that's exactly what this is about. It's all about the money. It's always been about the money. You talk to anybody within college athletics and Greg Sankey has some of the biggest gopher, like, Oh, what, what, what'd you say that he has, he is tuned into what other conferences are doing. They're tuned into being the leaders in all of college athletics. And if that comes down to how much money you make, well, then it absolutely matters to Greg Sankey. Let's not forget that you go back to pandemic rules. When the ACC had two, technically two teams, make the college football playoff because Notre Dame was technically a member of the ACC. I'm not making this up. They were legitimately upset. Greg Sankey was legitimately mad that the ACC now had a claim to something that the SEC had been using as a talking point for a couple of years. And this is going to be the same thing going forward for the college football playoff. So let's go Let's go from there, Joe, because that's what this is really about. There's this idea that let's take the money out of it because you know that better conference games, more conference games means more inventory for the SEC network and ESPN, higher ratings, which then elevates the level of the package. This is no different from the ACC finally getting with the program and scrapping divisions because what was that ultimately about? The ACC was trying to get better inventory for ESPN, better inventory for their own network. And you don't do that By having the same games within your conference and you get less of NC State Duke, you get less of Clemson, Virginia Tech and the like. So you're telling me that the SEC doesn't look at this from the perspective of, oh, we can do Texas A&M and Texas more often now. Yes, that's what we want in terms of ratings. So the money will follow in a way. I kind of agree with what Greg Sankey is saying. You go to nine games, the money will eventually follow. The concern isn't about bowl eligibility. The concern seems to be coming from the college football playoff and whether or not a three-loss SEC team can make the expanded field. So that's where I think things get a little tricky. There's a fear that by going to nine conference games, you're basically inviting another loss, and that loss is going to keep you out of an expanded playoff field if you're Texas or Oklahoma or a fringe SEC team. I don't necessarily buy that, but that seems to be the argument that's taking place right now.
1: Well, don't forget, by adding Texas and Oklahoma, too, they need to change their schedule model. Otherwise, yeah. the teams in the East will never play them unless you're right. a partner. And that's how they're set up right now, where they go they go long stretches where teams who are not together like don't ever play. Like Kind of like the NC State-Duke deal under the old Atlantic and Coastal setup. And you can't add commodities like Texas and Oklahoma and then have Georgia be like, Okay, well, we'll see you in twenty thirty three, and then again in twenty forty two. How does that sound? Yeah, that's not good. So that's not. They got to jumble up their schedule the same way that the ACC just did. The question is going to be: Are they going to go to the ninth or not? It's an interesting misstep by the SEC if the if the reporting is true that contractually they don't get more money out of a ninth game. Now contractually they do get more money by adding texas and oklahoma yes so maybe there's a potato potato talking point there for sankey Mm -hmm. in how that's going but ultimately why does this matter you might be asking me and nc state or carolina or even a duke fan this is why a lot of the games especially nc state they've got a lot of games lined up with sec opponents south carolina georgia two or two in particular those games won't happen If you get to a ninth game and the SEC had already put that in the language of the contracts with NC State that says if they go to nine, if the SEC schedule is expanded to nine games, they can cancel this game without financial penalty. So this is obviously something they've been thinking about planning for. And I think ultimately you're going to see more SEC football because, of course, it just means more. It just means
2: more.
0: All right, Joe. So we got some uh, some new sponsors that we can shout out uh, today on Ovia's in Jilio. We got Hometown Realty. I know you met with Hometown Realty this past week, right?
1: Yeah. Barry Woodward, James Lipscomb, Hometown Realty. Listen, residential, commercial, rental, you name it. This, And you might be thinking, oh, Joe, does where, where this? Clayton. Oh, no, sir. Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Selma, Atlantic Beach. They got more than 250 agents. They have six office locations. So buying, selling, commercial, you need a rental space, check them out. It's myhtr.com.
0: Do they have podcast spaces that we can rent? Is that part of their uh, realty? (laughs) You know what? If if there's a space, Barry can find it for you. I'm sure they can. I'm sure they can. And then, uh, I don't know, if you need some legal documents to go along with that, hammer things out, hammer out contracts. Whitaker and Hamer can help you out as well. Check out wh.lawyer. Give them a call at 919 772 Seven seven thousand. They got multiple offices across the. It's all the G's are covered, right?
1: Right, Joe. Yep. All the G's: Gastonia, Goldsboro, and of course Garner. Yeah, you're you have a business that you're trying to sell. You have a home you're trying to sell. uh Family law. They all they do it all. Josh and uh, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer. Check them out again. It's pretty easy. Wh dot lawyer. We're actually That's, gonna check them out this week as uh, just, just a yes. little bit of a tease here. Yeah. Um. I think I have your radio career right. The first person you did an actual show with was Morgan Patrick.
0: T- Technically, the first person I did a show with was Gordon Miller on a okay. Saturday morning, seven o'clock in the morning uh, extravaganza called House of Sport. Um, but when I moved to weekdays, uh, it was with
1: Morgan Patrick. Yes, the old morning okay. mojo. I was gonna say, So we're going to have a morning mojo reunion this week that very I'm very much looking forward to because Morgan actually does the uh, Outlaw Lawyer podcast with uh, josh and joe so we'll be checking them out on thursday look for that Love on it. our socials next week and finally uh, mosquito authority pest authority sponsoring Ovias
0: and jillio uh at some point although as i'm recording right now the sun has come out the sun does exist the sun is finally. actually i think the sun i think the sun exists during the week it doesn't exist <laughs> during weekends i think it, t- it goes on vacation it goes it, it goes elsewhere on the weekends the last uh, the last couple of months but with all the rain that we've been getting And it's going to get hot. This is like clear mosquito breeding time uh, with all the moisture. You can take care of that with Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. Check out BugsBite.com. And again, it goes beyond just mosquitoes, but right now is clear mosquito time. So you want to be wary of that. All right. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline from the News and Observer, he is Luke DeCock, columnist. Luke, what's going on, man? Good morning, fellas. Good to see you. So how is your, as I lose my pen, how is your uh, grit and determination going to change this offseason? Do you feel like you need to be a bit more of a pest when you talk about the Canes, along with the Canes needing a little bit of that this offseason to kind
2: of get over the hump? Not sure I can be any more of a pest talking about the Canes. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it really isn't to me. It isn't grit and determination. I actually think they have that. Um, it's, it's Here's the thing that, here's the image that sticks with me. Every scrum of that Florida series. There's nine guys getting together behind the net. A Florida player was grabbing the back of a Hurricanes jersey by the neck and dragging the Hurricanes player out of the scrum. The Hurricanes might have been in there, but other than Brent Burns cup-checking Matthew Kachuk, there was none of really any fight back. I thought Burns cup-checking Kachuk was, was maybe the most important play of that game because it was the only time the entire series of Hurricanes actually fought back. Yeah, And the bunch of jerks need some jerks they got too many nice guys i don't think that they're soft they don't play soft but the playoffs are a battle and you got to have some you know sort of espionage in there to win and and the margins in this series were so small and so fine that you know the that and i have this whole theory on theory on officiating whereas if you don't commit the big penalties they will call you for the small penalties anyway yeah, And they won't call the other team because they're already calling the other team for the big penalties. Mm-hmm. So you look at like in game three, racco Gudis flat out elbows Sebastian Ajo behind the play, doesn't get called for it. Sebastian Ajo gets pissed off, goes down to the other end, gets called for a stick check. Like the referees are going to get you. So you might as well get your money's worth mm-hmm. uh, because you're going to get called for high sticking. You're going to get called for puck over the glass. But if you don't elbow someone in the face and get away with it or don't get away with it, They're going to get you for that stick check on the hands. Like the Islanders, you know, would go out and commit felonies, and then the Hurricanes would get called for a hook in the neutral zone away from the play. Yeah. Even Jordan Stahl's penalty at the end of game four. That's an offensive zone penalty in the final minute of an elimination playoff game. If the Hurricanes had been elbowing guys all game, that doesn't get called. (laughs) And you say, okay, well, that's stupid, Luke, but that's playoff hockey. And if you want to win in the playoffs, you have to do those things.
0: All right, so, and Luke DeCocco, news and observer columnist, is it that that's not what these players, that's not how the players are wired for the Carolina Hurricanes? Or, like, none of these guys are capable of doing it? Uh Or is it just the way that Rod Burnham Moore wants to go about
2: the system? But Which one is it? I mean, that's a little from column A, a little from column B. I mean, you saw okay. Stefan Nason get pissed off and drop the gloves with Eric Hall and, like, literally 31 other teams applauded. Sure, right. uh, And you see Sebastian Ajo get fired up. You saw Burns. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely their their goal is to play between the whistles and that's fine. Um, I'm not saying they need to go out and cheap shot guys and run guys from behind. Although no, 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 no. Got no, no, away no. with that. But you got to just in these scrums and things, you just you got to have a little more snarl. You got to have a little more bite. You got to stand up for yourself. And I think that's what's missing here is they just they don't have enough guys who the like who on this team does the other team hate. I mean, you know, it's that. all hugs, right? Like yeah. Jack Drury, really yeah. good player, skilled kid, just sweet, just cute as a button. Just a sweet kid out there, getting cross-checked into the ground, pile drive yeah. by Radko Ogudis with no call. You know, Sebastian Aho's fiery. There's no question about that. Um, but I think there's, you know, and Jordan Stahl occasionally gets angry, but you know, he he seems to sublimate it all. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just, you know, Jacob Slavin, you know, Brett Pesci can be a little mean, but they just they have a lot of really good players. Who are really nice guys. And that's great for chemistry. It's great for the room. But I think when you get out there on the ice in the playoffs, it's great for 82 games. But when you get out there on the ice in the playoffs, you got to have some guys who are tough to play against. Hurricanes are tough to play against because they forecheck you and they get on you and they make you, they force you into mistakes, although they didn't against Florida. Um, but you need to have some guys who are tough to play against. Quite frankly, they need someone, not Eric Hall, of, but someone like Eric Hall of, that the other team hates, Brad Marshan. Um, you know the Bruins have like nine of those guys who are right, always right. shoving you in the chest and getting in your way. You just you got, they need a little more of that because they're at a point where, look, they were one of the two to three best teams in the league this year. They reached the conference finals. They lost four one-goal games that could have gone either way, and really lost the series in the third period of Game One and the first period of Game Two, when they didn't capitalize on their massive advantage. But when you get into those little fine margins, sometimes it's not having the more skilled player or having the better power play. Sometimes it's drawing, baiting the other team into a penalty. Sometimes it's getting away with stuff. Um, and I think you know, when you get to the point where you're one of the best teams in hockey, you have to start looking at what are we missing? Why haven't we gotten over the top? And to me, skill's not the issue. Leadership isn't the issue. Character isn't the issue. Uh, grit and determination aren't the issue. To me, it's that one thing they're missing is. A little Snydery.
0: Mm-hmm. You there, Joe? No, I guess Joe mm-hmm. uh, that met, know,
2: met with that met with less Yeah, I was going to say. I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't know. I
1: didn't know Joe had uh, had checked out there. I have no idea. No, uh, I'm back. I, I I'm laughing because if they get Ira Kala back, well, then who are they going to beat in the playoffs next year? They might not win a <laughs> playoff series because the last yeah, three no, years I, they've I, been able to not, eliminate him
2: not eric hall not, eric. Okay. <laughs> not eric Hall. okay like someone who someone that other teams hate as much as eric hall but presumably a better player who fits better in the row <laughs> that's someone, how you, that's so who you he...
1: know the canes are guaranteed to beat in the playoffs like which team is eric hall oh okay the canes will definitely beat that team don't have to worry about year. that you, you wrote about this though luke and, and next year is the big kind of crucible for the franchise with the players that they'll who whose contracts will be up i am curious the two big ones that stand out to me for this year curious, just your take on what do you think they'll do with Freddie and or in goal? Is it Kachekov's time? And then with Jordan Stahl, is it possible to get him back at, at a better rate than what they were paying him?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the stall thing is he wants to come back. I think they want him back. His role is going to be reduced. Um, you know, that just happens with age and they can't afford to pay him what he's making now. I mean, and keep this team together. So, you know, if this were a simple deal, it would happen in January. Um, it's going to be a negotiation. They've been through it before. They've Jimmy went through it every summer with Glenn Wesley, yeah. um, you know, you, you're it's it's I it, I think it'll work out in the end because it makes too much sense for him to be here for both sides. But, you know, you got to remember this is what Rod Brindamore went through at the end of his career. And it got really ugly at the end. People forget that that the transition to Eric Stahl as captain was was basically forced by Jimmy and. Sort of abetted by Paul Maurice, which is one reason why there weren't a lot of really nice words coming out of Rod Brindamore's mouth about how much he learned from Paul Maurice. There are still some hurt feelings there. So, mm-hmm. Rod Brindamore, of all people, is going to understand how to manage this transition to whatever the next phase of Jordan Stahl's career is.
0: Well, okay. So, There's a as- focus on Jordan Stahl, which I get. But whereas with Rod Brindamore to Eric Stahl, there was a clear line of where things were going. What is the next leadership group for this team? Sebastian because, Aho. There, but what's his con- what's his contract situation going to be? Because that's, you got rem- that's that's the part that I'm most fascinated. But they yeah, got one more year with Sebastian Ajo. Can they are they going to be comfortable paying what it's likely going to take to pay Sebastian Ajo without Montreal swooping in and making it easy for you?
2: Yes, because and here's why. When we talk about having one year left on the core, we'll, we'll sur- circle back to the goaltenders in a second. OK, part of the reason is it's not that these guys are all going to walk. It's that there are a couple no brainers that you have to resign and take your medicine. And one of those is going to be Sebastian Ajo, because he is the future of this team as a leader and, and as a, a player. I, I don't know that he's going to be a mega star. I think it's pretty clear at this point that he's a very good player and maybe not a great player. Mm-hmm. But he is the next captain of this team and he is an unbelievable competitor. Um, so I I think that's going to happen now. To do that, you got to find you know, this is a cap team now. People are used to all the years when they spent 22 million dollars. This is a team that has to account for every nickel now because they are right at the cap Mm -hmm. and they're not going to have Max Factoretti's contract to play around with, which ended up being sort of a, a giant chunk of wiggle room. Uh, so Ajo's contract is going to mean probably that someone else has to go, yeah. Um, but I do think the way the roster is currently constructed, that's something that you can manage if you're willing to to make a couple moves that are going to be a, a little unpopular this summer. One way you manage that is by having Peter Kachekov play 40 games at two million dollars a year. So the question is, who's the best fit to share that spot with Kachekov and mentor him? That may be Auntie Ranta, that may be Frederick Anderson, that may be someone from outside because both Anderson and Ranta are up. You have the option of going in different direction. Freddie, I think, was great. In the playoffs, he was great in the regular season last year, Um, but he's getting up in age and he's got some sort of chronic injuries that we saw in the first round that make him slightly less reliable than he might have been when he came here. And when you look at Ranta, there's so many things to like about Auntie Ranta. Reliability is not one of them. So if Ranta is going to be your number two, you need a number three somewhere. Mm -hmm. So Kachekov doesn't end up playing 60 games. So, but when you, these things, like this is how it is, these things are all interlocked. Kachekov's contract allows you to do other things because he's got another three years at 2 million. If he ends up being your number one in two years at 2 million, and you can bring in a backup making 2 million, now you have a ton of flexibility, but that's putting a lot on Peter Kachekov. And I think this year is gonna be a really interesting experiment to see how he handles that increase in workload. But I don't think you can go into it saying, this kid's gonna play 60 games. He might, but I think you have to plan that he won't. So yeah, Jody, your question originally, which one of those guys or someone new, I mean, I think that's an open question. It would not shock me yeah. if they ended up bringing in someone from outside, whether by trade or, you know, free agency because they think that's going to be a better fit with Kachekov as opposed to the previous sort of goaltending regime where you're looking for how well Anderson and Ranta fit together, which they did. Um, you know, Ronta not having the need to play all the time and was mm-hmm. so good in the room. And then Anderson, who who had so much to prove coming from Toronto, and to me did, um, you know, I don't think Freddie has anything left to prove at this
0: point. Well, could could Mitch Marner do all those things? Play goal as well uh, to mentor uh, Peter Kachekov? Because apparently, if you if you believe Toronto Twitter right now, I believe the Canes have to give up about half the roster just to get him. Right? Isn't that where we're at right now? And I think Rod Bernardmore is part of that deal. Yeah, go he's, co- he's got to go coach Toronto.
2: Coach the Leafs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seth Jarvis, Marty Natchez, Sebastian Aho. <laughs> I, I love mean, it. it's a pre- it's a pretty good deal if you, if you think Mitch Marner can play four positions. Now, I sure right. I mean, but, but I do love, love the unhinged
0: trade yeah. demands that that come out this time of the year.
2: Yeah, right. and, and look, there are going to be moves available for the Hurricanes to make. I mean, I really, honestly believe with a year left to go on Tavo Teravainen's contract, they're going to move him this summer because he's going to have more value now. And I don't think looking at their salary cap situation in two years, they yeah. can give Terravine the money that he's going to get on the open market or even with a hometown discount. So I think we're looking at the end of his time with the hurricanes this summer. Maybe not. I thought the, thought the same thing about Justin Falk in 2018, and he came back and had a great year, but his contract situation was a little different. So, uh, yeah, I think there are moves out there. I mean, you look at last summer, you know, they had a chance. It didn't work because – the Flames wanted different pieces, but you think about it now: if you'd traded Marty Nieders and a prospect and a first-round pick for Matthew Kachuk, you know that becomes a different argument. And then they end up getting already anyway, and then he never plays. So, right, it's it's there's all kinds of things. There's there's going to be opportunities this summer. I don't think Mitch Marner is going to be one of them, um, or Nylander, you know, or I don't think John Tavares is waving his no-trade clause to come here. Um, unless he secretly had hurricanes or whalers pajamas, but you know, it's, there's going to be moves out there. There's going to be players available. You know, Adam Henrique is a the guy they looked at at the deadline. Now he's healthy again, you know, maybe it's someone like that. Um, but there are going to be moves out there that the hurricanes can make um, some of which aren't going to be super popular, but I think that, I think they've got to look at that. I, the stuff we talked about earlier in terms of personality and that's stuff you can do on the fourth line. I mean, look, Stefan's probably gone. Paul Stastny's probably gone. Um, you know, you're going to have options to bring in guys. I think Mackenzie Eckern earned a spot for next year, to be honest. I mean, I think sure. that's the kind of energy forward that you need on your fourth line who can jump up in a pinch, doesn't have a ton of skill, looks like, but can go hit people. Um, and, you know, they were a better team in the games that McEckard played. You know, yes, he pulled the RV, um, You know, he'll end up playing in the KHL or someplace. Maybe, the, you know, the, go play in the Afghanistan League with Tracy Smith. But you know, there's not a lot of room out there on the top of the roster to make a bunch no. of changes. But I think that fourth one, you could bring in some guys who who have a little snarl to them and sort of change the personality of your team, as long as they fit the way that the Hurricanes want to play.
0: Luke DeCock, news and observer columnist. We appreciate the time, man. Um, I'm I'm with you. The the Canes do need to find finishers, somebody that uh, has, has a little bit of a a, a pest to them, somebody that gets under your skin. To your point about how officiating works out, officiating is pretty much the same everywhere. Uh, once you get to the playoffs, it really does become a test of what can you get away with. Uh, and The officials will probably even that thing up. But we will uh, we will talk to you later as we get into some interesting offseason moves. I know what Rod Bernamore Moore and Don Waddell are going to have some exit stuff this week as well. So it should be interesting.
2: Yeah, well, and, and we got through this whole conversation without talking about college baseball. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't want to break down
0: RPI? You don't, you don't want to like live in the 1990s and obsess over RPI. Everybody else uh-huh. has moved on from RPI. I, I, really not
2: I, do, I do think Campbell got screwed, and I agree with with Julio's contention that even if the 80s aren't in the room when these things are being discussed, when their teams are being talked about, yeah. that the other 80s do not, and commissioners do not want to look that person in the eye when they walk back in the room. Yeah. Like last year with basketball, if Carolina had been anywhere on the bubble there's no way they get those other committee members are going to look Bubba in the eye, walking back into that conference room and say, "Hey, it's kind of a coin flip, but we left your boys out. Sorry, sorry about that." Yeah, and then you got to deal with it. So uh, campus should have hosted. If they, you know, that's an example though where college baseball is just wacky do because mm-hmm. their proposal was to host in Fayetteville, and I'm sure that they were like, "Ah, eh, we'd rather just have Auburn host on campus and blah blah blah." Like college baseball, man, it's college baseball.
0: It's a it's a weird I I try to understand college baseball uh with the jamborees and it's not a, really a tournament, it's just extra games to maybe pad your stats to get in. It's not a tournament for heaven's sake. Uh but regardless, that's a that's another conversation for the day. All right, Luke, we'll yes. talk to you later, man. See you guys. <laughs> I uh, I don't I look, I, I know you 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 brought this up as it relates to um college baseball and the ADs and everything else. And you're right, there is an element there, Joe, that exists with these types of things but I'll be the first one to tell you when it comes to college baseball that I don't pretend to know what a committee is looking at because the schedules are even more nuts than a college basketball schedule in terms of, you know, a Ken Palm and everything else. I don't, I don't pretend to understand the dynamics going in. I don't envy the committee of having to do this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, listen, they, they have a metric. They, they go by the metric. Maybe they are a little too slavish to it. Um, I'm curious, though, the makeup of this committee and I I, listen, there's no like no ACC uh, representation. Right. I'm (laughs) pretty sure there wasn't an ACC uh, representation at all. I I hate to be that guy, but it's like, you know, yesterday was Memorial Day and it's like, yeah, there's a there's a place to honor the people who have fought for our country and made our country what it is. And if we need to, you know, go invade Normandy again, I want the Air Force and I want Army involved. But the ADs from Army and Air, and Air Force are on the NCAA Baseball Selection Committee as if yeah. they're like Abner Doubleday and like invented baseball or something. <laughs> it's like, OK, cool. We, we've got the airstrike covered. And if we need to get some troops into left field, we got it covered. <laughs> I don't think we need Army and Air Force both on the selection committee. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm missing yeah. something. Yeah. But it's an odd makeup, and I had pointed out, you know, Sherard Klingscales is the AD at Indiana State, former pitcher, played in the major leagues, obviously there's a lot about baseball, used to work at NC State for Debbie WL, uh, went out, and is the AD at Indiana State now. I look at it, and I go, okay, well, they're hosting, and I'm sure there's a metric that suggests that Indiana State should host, but mm-hmm. it's impossible for me to divorce the fact that Klingscales is on the committee and his school is hosting, his random – seemingly random school in terra Haute, indiana is hosting so let me check on aaron fit for us yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to I that it. We'll, we'll, we'll get to a second what's up next What's up next?
0: we're waiting for aaron fit d1 baseball to join us here on uh, ovies and julio I did want to annoy Gillio even further. Did you know, Joe, that over this weekend, the possibility that Tom Brady could unretire again is looming over another NFL offseason? Are you excited for this? Are you excited for another offseason of speculation with Tom Brady? We got our Aaron Rodgers thing out. out. We're done. He's been hanging out at Taylor Swift shows. He's enjoying New York. Good for him. He's showing up to OTAs because he's recommitted. So we need a new obsession, a new speculative game to play. And Tom Brady coming through like he always did. That's why he's the GOAT, man. He is the GOAT at making the speculation industry work in an NFL offseason. So here's what's going on. Jimmy Garoppolo and his health status, a little more complicated than the Raiders anticipated. Or did they anticipate it? According to multiple reports, Joe, the Raiders have like clauses in the contract with Garoppolo that if his foot surgery... Uh, did not clear the way they thought it was going to clear, that they could find their way out of it. It just so happens that Tom Brady is in the process of joining the Raiders as a minor owner, like a glorified season ticket holder. He's not really going to be buying up a bunch of the Raiders uh, to the point where he's making true decisions. It's kind of like more of a figurehead type thing, part of the group. So while this is taking place, the speculation has started to come together that Brady would go to a ready-made team, In the Raiders, like he went to a ready-made team with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and have one other go at it with his guy McDaniel's. So McDaniel's, yeah, Josh McDaniel's, with his has ties back to his time in New England. So that's where we're at with the Tom Brady speculation. Complicating matters even further, though, is when the ownership stake goes through. If Tom Brady is approved to join the ownership group with the Raiders. It then becomes an ownership decision to let Tom Brady get on the roster. There is competitive reasons to keep him out of that. They would have to, the owners would literally have to vote to be okay with Tom Brady being on the roster as a partial owner. So keep an eye on whether or not this ownership deal with Tom Brady and the Raiders goes through. The longer it goes on, the more the speculation is going to be that he would come out of retirement and play for the Raiders if Jimmy Garoppolo's foot is not good to go. I love it here, Joe. I love the Tom Brady speculation. The guy cannot quit. He cannot quit. What's it to him now? He's a free man anyway. The whole thing with him and Giselle's done. He can completely he live gave up his divorced dad gave
1: life. Up, he gave up a life with Giselle to yeah. go win eight games with a terrible Tampa team. That's all you yeah. need to know about Tom Brady. Yeah. So yes, when he retired, we had a full heaping scoop of skepticism that this would be the final because you and I are both are in total agreement and Aaron Fit is going to join us he's a he's a fake Boston fan I can't stand Fitzy (laughs) all of it I hate all of his teams um I'm trying to get that out right now I don't know if he could hear it out of the way but um you know we said though we said when he when he retired that remember the best thing that ever happened to him was the four game suspension the year yes. of the, the super bowl beating atlanta because he was fresh as a daisy uh especially now that he doesn't have to play in the uh, new England winters um yeah there, there's I, i'll find us a spot where you could bet on if tom oh, will we'll take an nfl snap this season and i will funnel all of our advertising money onto that card Joining us on the History Automotive Group Hotline from D1 Baseball, it's Aaron Fitt.
0: I did not know this about you, Fit. I did not realize you were a quote-unquote fake Boston fan. Is this I'm, true? I'm a
3: Bucks fan, guys. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> lifelong lifelong Bucks fan. You know, Vinny Testaverdi <laughs> was my guy growing up. Uh-huh. Um, got that cream- creamsicle. <laughs> yeah, listen. Listen, I'm very excited about the, the Gabbert era. Uh, so that, that's where I stand.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. How excited are you uh, to write about RPI? <clears throat> Uh, coming out of a selection committee. I feel like and 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 Aaron is going to explain this to like I'm f- like I'm five years old because I do feel that the selection committee and the job that they have to fill out an NCAA baseball tournament is way more difficult than what the basketball folks have to do uh, in terms of schedule and how what metrics they use, who gets to host and everything else. But I could tell on your website, right out of the gate, most of the controversy or most of the discussion was about the use of RPI. So what what is going on here? Why are they using a metric that most people have moved on from yeah. in the modern era?
3: Yeah, and that, that's that's exactly the point is, is is you know of what I wrote yesterday is um, it's the reason this is is a topic now because it's a topic every year. Nobody you know the RPI has been unpopular for decades, right? Uh, but we have an actual committee chairman who has said it publicly, like, hey, you know the system system doesn't really work that well. Uh, it, it it favors teams that are geographically based in the southeast and. Um, you know, it, it encourages teams to to cancel games down the stretch because you're better off not playing, you know, Northwest Louisiana State on, on a Tuesday than you are beating them. And so that's a problem when you're incentivized to cancel games, uh, because even if you win, it hurts you. And so, you know, it, it's a kind of it illustrates the absurdity of the system. We've had a lot of this happening now. The last couple of years, coaches have figured out. Uh, how to game the system a little bit, and you know I'm, I don't blame them. I mean, if if you know this is this is you know this is gonna hurt you if you play this game and you win it, uh, it's gonna hurt your chances to make the postseason. Why wouldn't you cancel it? Yeah. Um. And so the the, the chairman, John Cohen, the, the Auburn athletic director, has has said all this publicly. And and you know when he took over last summer he made it clear that he wanted to kind of reform the process and he was going to do things differently and he's going to, you know, really change things up. And, and then yesterday in the conference call, he's, he's talking about the same stuff. Like we really need to, you know, we really need to change this stuff, but like he, he hadn't done anything. And that's that's my problem. He hasn't done anything. And, and his term ends in August and he's going to pass the baton and say, all right, well, hope the next guy does something. We really need to look at this. But like, how about we actually get some bright minds in the room? You know, some people who know <laughs> something about math and actually do something. I mean, have we done that? Have we bothered to actually get a group together to study this stuff and come up with a better system? That's all I'm asking. I, I don't know the
1: answer. I'm not is a math it,
0: is, guy. It, it's, it's too much. That's too much.
1: That's too much. You know, it's missing. That's too in much. Baseball. First of all, Aaron Fit D1Baseball.com, joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. If you follow college baseball at all, you know who Aaron Fitt is. He does tremendous work. Uh, I saw so much on my Twitter feed of D1 Baseball. And even when I saw Elliot Avon the day after I got fired, he's like, well, he, he goes, Fit has us in. I go, "Fit had you in last year, man. Would you stop listening to Fit?" And lo and behold, look at you getting things right on Selection Monday. I'm very happy for you. Uh, but you know what's missing? You need to be... The Ken Palm of baseball, of college baseball. Yeah. You need to be the A Nolan. We need a Fitz Magic Metric. That's what we need. Well, I, I, the
3: problem is I don't know anything about math, so that that is <laughs> that is a problem. I'm
1: not saying I'm I'm not saying I'm
3: the solution. I'm just saying there has to be a better solution. Than there has to right be a now. solution.
0: Well, why is it, uh, why isn't there why isn't there a baseball Ken Palm? Why haven't the metrics on baseball improved? I mean, there's,
3: there's stuff out there, you know. There, there's something called the ISR uh, that that this website called BoydsWorld.com came up with years ago that Mm -hmm. I think does a better job. There's something called ELO that uh, Warren Nolan came up with. Again, not a math guy. Don't know if those things are good or not. Uh, I know what we have right now. I know how the RPI works, you know, and it's, it's that, that doesn't work. And so, you know, hopefully we can give us something better.
1: Fitz, I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic that it's state, it's Campbell, it's South Carolina all together. I just feel like it's in the wrong location. Can you just explain why Campbell got job and is this as simple as there are no hotels in Bowie's Creek or is there more to this or is it that Gerard scales is on the committee and, and Campbell's AD is not like help me out here on how Campbell is not one of the the hosts here after the season that they had.
3: Yeah, they deserved it. I thought so, too. I mean, we had them as, as one of our 16 hosts in our, our final projection. Um, and they were going to host in Fayetteville at the minor league park. So, you know, it's not a matter of facilities or Bowie's Creek. I mean, who wouldn't want to take, take a trip to Fayetteville this time of year? Le- lovely town. Uh, but, but uh, uh, oh, oh, look at Fayetteville catching strays from Fit right here on a Monday morning. Jeez, <laughs> oh, Aaron, Two Come on,
2: Two it's my, hosting.
3: It's my wife's hometown, by the way. I can take shots. Um <laughs> if you will (laughs) listen, uh, uh, South Carolina um, is, is the team that I thought was a surprise host. I mean, they, they, you know, they really melted down late in the year. They went four and 11 down the stretch. Um, They had some great wins. You know, they they went eight and seven against the top eight national seeds. I think that carried a lot of weight with the committee. Um, But boy, they really are not the same team that they were in the first half when they were dominating. And so you're, you're right. I think we got the right teams together. I mean, in our projection, we had Campbell, Hosting with South Carolina is the two and NC state is the three. I think um, that would make a lot of sense, but instead you know, South Carolina gets the host because you know, and I get it. I mean, it's the high end wins. It's a top 10 RPI. Um, you can make a case for Campbell over like an Indiana state. They had much better quality wins. I mean, that's, that's the, th- the thing that separates them. They were nine and whatever, nine and five against the top 50. Indiana state was two and nine. You know, that's pretty stark. Uh, but like you said, you know, clink scales on the committee, a factor, uh, Top ten RPI for Indiana State. I mean, you know, as we see, RPI has, has been a crutch for this committee for a long time. So, those those are factors. And, and hey, Indiana State had a great year. I mean, if if you you win your regular season and your your conference tournament, and they were just red hot the entire last ten weeks of the season. I mean, something like thirty two and four, some crazy thing. I mean, they really really played great. So, I don't I don't begrudge Indiana State hosting.
0: Aaron fifty one baseball joining us here on Ovias and Gillio the NCAA tournament is ready to go uh the brackets came out of course they do it like over two days uh which is always uh, always a cool thing all right we'll close on this we'll go on the the top end and the historic season the wake forest put together and then what always tends to happen in the ncaa baseball tournament a team that you don't expect that might go on some sort of magical run and you have to guess it for us so kind of like in context i mean we hear about state plenty we know north carolina's program we know what they've been trying to build over at duke This this Wake Forest baseball season seems to have caught people by surprise in how, I mean, good, but not like this good. Nobody could have expected the year that they had, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had them, I think, preseason number six in the country, you know, the the top team in the ACC. But uh, no, we didn't expect them to, you know, to be number one necessarily. I mean, and, and the thing is, I mean, Wake Forest, they hadn't really actually done it, like lived up to, the hype before we've hyped them up before. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I've I've had to wear it repeatedly over the years for hyping up Wake Forest and then they fall on their faces. Uh, but uh, this team, and mean, clearly it's the best team they've ever had. But I mean, it's just they're loaded in every way. They're so good, um, historically good. I mean, the fact that they led the nation in ERA and that bandbox of a home ballpark is is stunning. It's just and they, and they did it by a full run over the next best team in, in the Power Five conference. I mean, it's 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 absurd how good they pitched um and and you know they got real power and they played much better defense than they have in years past they just they got it all going on and the thing is now it's now it's like all right we got to get to omaha if we don't get to omaha with this team like you know yeah there's that pressure factor that's real we saw tennessee last year had a very 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 similar season to wake forest i mean if you break those two teams down side by side they're uh it's eerie how similar they are how dominant they were in every way tennessee didn't get to omaha you know, they lost in a home super regional. So I do think there's a little bit of extra weight. You've had such a great season, and especially with your program, it's not like your regular Omaha team. Like, mm-hmm. this is your, just kind of feels like your shot, you know? It's like you, you got to make good on it, man. So we'll see how they handle that pressure.
0: And we're going to have another, like, last team in getting to the, uh, getting to Omaha type situation again. We, we're yeah.
3: calling that. Could it, could have. I mean, listen, NC State, they weren't the last team in. They weren't even on the last four, actually, which is, yeah. which is weird, by the way, because I actually thought their resume last year was stronger than their resume this year. Um, (laughs) you know, but they had a higher RPI this year, which again, shows you, that's all the community really cares about. Uh, but NC state's dangerous. I mean, I'm just saying like that offense is real, man. It's a really, really deep position player group. If they just pitch enough and and you've seen it at times this year, like that's a team that could be like, you know, not, not the last team in, but one of the last few that could, could really make a run. I could see it. Mm -hmm.
1: No, no, no. Which SEC team is going to win this no, thing? I'm sorry. You, you yeah. gave me Ole Miss early last year. I was very happy about that. <laughs> I'm going back to the Fitzmagic. Well, who do you got for me?
3: The, the, well, the problem is there was no there was no last SEC team in this year because they were all like slam dunks. I think the lowest one is a two seed. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, you you can go ahead and place a bet on Tennessee if you want. And they're one of the you know one of the only SEC teams that didn't host. They they you know might be that team after the team thing. Um, yeah. I could, I could see it. I mean, because that's they're kind of flying under the radar. They've had a very uneven year. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to pick. I'm probably not going to pick them to win the regional. But uh, I've been burned by Clemson so many times over the years.
1: No,
2: like, it's not hosting Clemson. again. Get out of here! It's I'm just saying,
3: like that's where Stop. I'm just saying that's where Tennessee went. Stop. Like will Tennessee will Tennessee win that regional at Clemson? Is, is what I'm saying. I don't. Know. I
1: mean, okay. they could. If I can get that at but, plus money, I will take it. Yes.
3: Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, Clemson's yeah. won 16 in a row, and I think they're. I, like, get I, was, skeptical. It. Cool. Well, I was
0: skeptical. I was skeptical. That's
1: cool. I, we have like decades is, of data that says this is not the ACC's tournament. Decades. I mean, like, do not
0: we isn't isn't there a coach that already knows what's going to happen in the baseball tournament anyway? I mean, that's the other baseball scandal that's been going on, right? I mean, we got uh like who he's gone. who's going to be who's going to be the well, who's going to be the team that gets in trouble since that's been the uh, the MO this season in baseball.
3: Yeah. Careful now. Yeah, Careful. Easy, easy.
0: Aaron Fifty, one <laughs> baseball. Hey man, we appreciate the time and thank you for explaining, you know, all the all, you know, I, I pop online, I see everybody pissed off at the bracket. I'm thinking, okay, everybody's always mad at a bracket. Well, baseball felt a little bit differently. Now it makes a lot of sense. Appreciate it, man.
3: Hey, thanks for winding me up early on a Monday. Uh, Let's wait, go. It Monday? It's better Tuesday than morning. It's Tuesday, Tuesday morning. don't
0: <laughs> know what day it is. It's fine. Appreciate it, man. It's Take nice, it easy. That's our fight for that. T1 baseball. <laughs> yes, you do. You do have a clock for that.
1: <laughs> We're moving on.
0: All right. So shouts to I was actually I was going to go to Carolina Beach this weekend, but the weather absolutely stunk. But that doesn't mean there isn't things to do out in the heart of North Carolina. And we've got new we've got uh, we, we've they've been uh, they've been sponsoring us this uh, this first month of Ovi's and Jillio Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington. You can check them out online at N.E.W.I.L.M. Dot com. It's where the river of innovation meets an ocean of possibilities. And Wilmington ranked number one as a startup ecosystem in the US, number two in the world. They've got startups that have had three successful exit events, including Untapped, which is uh, a beer app that I would use back in the day. They did festivals and everything else. But yeah, if you didn't know this, Untapped came out of Wilmington. So again, check them out. N E W I L com. And also, shout out to the Butcher's Market. We had one of our listeners, I guess they had never done the steak and cheese sandwich before at the Butcher's oh, Market. They didn't realize James. sandwiches were a thing. And we've been telling you about that's it. We've been telling James. you about the sandwiches. They took a picture of like, yup, game changer, all in on the sandwiches at the Butcher's Market.
1: I need to find out if they make their own bread because that's really what kind of sold it that's for me. That's uh, six locations, Raleigh, Cary, Wake Forest, Holly Springs, and Wilmington. Uh, all of your weekend grilling needs. we got holiday... Parties. Obviously, this last weekend, we got Father's Day coming up, graduation parties, you name it. They have unbelievable selection of meats and prepared foods for you. Go check them out. It's the butchersmarkets.com.
0: Let's get to them. hey Joe questions as we wrap up today's show. It's brought to you by the Oakwood Pizza Box. Uh, check them out in downtown Raleigh. Uh, you can give them a call at 919-594-1605 uh, to get your to-go orders. And it goes beyond just pizza, too. They get like really good salads. Uh, the wine selection is really good as well. May I suggest the pizza wine, Lambrusca. Big fan. Anthony's opened my eyes to pizza wine. It's a little bubbly. Okay. It's a nice it's a nice bubbly yeah. red. Red bubbles. Yeah. Red bubbles, baby. Game changer for me when it comes to eating pizza. So if you want to give us some Hey Joe questions, all you got to do is use the hashtag Hey Joe. I'm still trying to like figure out how to use YouTube in that because I know not everybody's on the Bird app. Fine. Got it. Uh, but I do feel that there's probably other ways that you can send us some, hey, Joe questions. I'm still in the process of figuring that out. I don't know. Maybe you can uh, you can email us. All right, to Jay, who had Caleb Martin leading the heat to the NBA Finals on their bingo card? Certainly not you, Joe. Certainly not you.
1: Um, not the NBA Finals, but I was an early believer in Caleb Martin. I, I have two Caleb Martin stories that I will share with us. When he was being okay. recruited, by NC State, I remember this was after um, the, the failed year of thirteen. Remember, NC State goes into that year number six, and Mark Godfrey, the year before, had been to the Sweet Sixteen. This team lost in Dayton, and it was a, a disappointing season. And I remember we were sitting in the Raleigh Times, I believe it or not, and Mark was telling me, "He goes, um, yeah, I, I, I we need more shooters. I know with Scott leaving, we need more shooters." And I'm bringing in a guy I think you're really going to like in Caleb Martin. And I'm like, holy smokes, this guy must be really good if he can shoot like Scott Wood. And he's like, yeah, but he's, he's going to be better than Scott because he can dribble. And I said, oh, okay. I like okay. that. Wow. So it was All he's right, got a twin. So I went to uh, the NBA Top 100 camp, met uh, uh, Caleb and Cody Martin for the first time going into their senior years. And th- met their mom, Jenny Bennett. And they're a great story. And they get to NC State, and they were on the team that also made the Sweet 16. They were they were reserve players on that team, and I remember thinking these these guys play really really hard. Caleb is obviously not Scott Wood, but he he you know he's he's got some potential, and Cody is a guy who does a little bit of everything. Uh, both athletic, both played really really hard. The next year they played a lot. Remember that was the next year the kind of the bottom fell out a little bit on State. That was the Cat Barber team. If you don't remember it and Caleb scored 11 points a game and four rebounds a game like he he played 30 minutes a game Cody played 25 a game and I remember that December one of their former teammates said to me this is the 15-16 season he says to me you know the twins are transferring and I was like what (laughs) and I even went to Mark and I said the twins are and this was like January early January and I said the twins are leaving and he was like, yeah, you know, they're worried next year they're not going to play. And it's not just Caleb, it's Cody. And if Caleb's on, if Cody's unhappy, then Caleb's going to be unhappy. And I was just like, and I said to him, you realize, now this is the old transfer rules. You had to sit out of here.'" I said, you realize in two years they're going to show up at like Marshall. And they're going to win. It, they're definitely winning one NCAA tournament game, if not two. I had yeah. the wrong school. They ended up at Nevada. And they also, I had the wins wrong too. They ended up in the final eight. And obviously it's been a journey from there, but it's just it, the way that the game has changed and it's worked out as three and D and the NBA's emphasis on, on length and guys who can shoot and guys who can defend the perimeter. As you saw Caleb Martin drew a lot of the Jason Tatum assignment on, on the defensive yeah. side, you know, those are the kind of players. Yeah. They go, they kind of fly under the radar and maybe they don't have, you know, the, the, the big pop right away in their college success, but you got to give a lot of credit to uh muscleman too at Novotis at Arkansas now. Uh, the way that he was able to showcase them and develop them in Nevada was was really something else. So, and De- of course, matters. anytime you talk about the Martins, Joe, got to talk about Bobby Lutz. Bobby Lutz, uh, one of the original guys who recruited them to NC State, really kind of discovered them. It's actually also one of the reasons why they ended up leaving. Remember, Mark got rid of Bobby, and it was like, yeah. well, what are we going to do? So that that was all part of it. But yeah, there there could be a any, any more games like that. We might need a a special emergency Martin podcast. So. I was gonna say we do a six part on that to you know. <laughs> a la Russell Wilson. At,
0: at what point? Did, at what point did Mark Godfrey tell the Martin twins son, or in this case, <laughs> sons plural? I got maverick growing. I don't need you. It ain't. I don't need you, sons. So yeah, uh, with a, it's with like a, I tell well, you actually. All the time, I was gonna say man. I can't. Well, in this case, because Tom O'Brien didn't have a Southern accent, but Mark Godfrey kind of does. does. <laughs> yeah, we have to give him a New York accent. A straight accent, yeah. Yeah, just a, just a straight, like, you, you know, it's like, hey, you want to play here? Forget about it. Get out the <laughs> door. Mark Godfrey does not talk like that. Uh, but yeah. it, the Martin Twins, story, that's true. But, but the last point on this, you, you just hit on it. Development, right? And the development doesn't stop <laughs> once you make the league. Uh, the development doesn't stop if you're somebody trying to grind out a roster spot like the Martin Twins have. And Caleb Martin specifically uh, spent time with was it the Sioux Falls team uh, with the Miami heat and their development goes a long way. And the, the players drive too goes a long way towards the results that you see right now. That's that you commend the heat organization for making that work. And the Hornets have tried to follow suit with their own development. It's not quite there yet, obviously, but that's how you are successful in the NBA. You get stories like this, like the Martin twins. All right, next on our Hey Joe extravaganza, this is from Mark Cuban. Got a personal question for everyone watching the Heats and Celts right now. Who's watching on a pirated stream? I'm curious how prevalent it is. I'm sorry, is Mark Cuban now Narc Cuban? There was Narc Cuban was trending last night during this game because he asked this question. Now, Mark Cuban, as you know, Joe is fascinated by how people are watching sports, because remember, and you've tried to do this with Tom Dundon, I'd be more than happy to watch Hurricanes games if you subsidize my Valley sports. Well, Mark Cuban was doing that for like a hot minute. So he's kind of curious how people are watching this stuff. Well, it was on TNT, so for the most part, people were going to be able to watch it. <laughs> but the fact that you even watch this, what's next? You going to ask for my social security number? Do you want to know my home address? You want my bank account? Mark, nobody's going to answer your question, dude. Nobody's gonna answer your question like that. How are you watching this? How prevalent is it? Who? What? No. Did you watch it legally, Joe? Can you even hear me right now? Uh oh. Did we lose Joe? I think we lost Joe. All right. We'll get to Joe. You you blink twice at me when you uh, when you're fi- when you're finally back in the mix. All right. We will uh, go to another Hey Joe question here. oh there you are you're back i didn't know where you went mom's name what's that (laughs) what's that oh i can't oh we're having problems here all right we'll close on this hey joe what's the best water park to check out in the carolinas do we even have water parks around here that aren't like the pool there was a place there was a place out there there's a place in the outer banks there's a place in the outer banks that's called like h2obx which is out in the I, I think it's on the sound side and it's i don't think i can now now i can hear you you're back hi joe oh we're having all sorts of technical problems now can you hear me joe no I he can't hear me it's fine we're at the end of the show anyway so this is why i'm looking forward to finding a studio space here in the near future so we're just going to go ahead and wrap up the show now we're already at the end of the show Uh, Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Leave the comments. If you made it this far in the video, we appreciate that because it helps with the click-through rate and everything else. Uh, But so does leaving comments. So does interacting with the likes and everything else. So by all means, if you're a subscriber, keep engaging, and it helps us with our visibility. And shout out to everybody who's given us five stars, positive vibes only, on the podcast itself. That's going to wrap it up for today's edition of Ovi's and Julio. We will see you Wednesday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears.